This morning's message is God's promise of faithfulness. And uh, this morning I'm going to do something a little different, and so hopefully it works out. Uh, for each point, we have a different verse uh, from the Bible, and we're basically going to look at how God is faithful to his children when we are faithful, and even when we mess up, God is faithful to us. And we're going to look at some of these stories of how God has provided to his children through the generations. You know, we read through the Bible and we hear stories of faithful men and women and what they did for God. But you know, God uses the imperfect. Right? None of them were that special. You can't really read that, but I can here. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. That's a really bad story. <laughs> Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossip. Martha was a worrier. Who can relate there? Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses had a stuttering problem. And Abraham was old. And Lazarus was dead. But what all these messed up people had in their life was their faithfulness to God. And when they failed, God put them back on track. How many of us have been there? Where we tell God what our plans are. And God says, no way. He's done it to me more than once. And often it hurts. Christianity worldwide, it ain't showing up again, uh, continues to grow every single year despite our North American context of decline because of faithful leaders, both laity and clergy, preaching, teaching, and baptizing people all over the world. Now what I found interesting was every group except, I believe, the Orthodox are climbing every single year by the thousands and millions of Christians. I think I read something around 20 million people convert from another religion to Christianity. In places, again, like Asia and Africa, the Christian church is, has a stronghold. One of my faith, uh, favorite characters from the Bible is the Apostle Paul. And there he is being beheaded. He murdered Christians, and God blinded him and used him. He became the primary author of the New Testament. He was jailed, and then he was beheaded. But God used him, a radical for the faith. Now, if God can use a murderer, what can he do with us? As we discern the future of Methodism, we've talked a little bit about him before. This is B.T. Roberts. He was removed by the church for his radical thinking to remove the pew system and tax. So this is actually a receipt uh, that we got from Ancestry.com uh, of a pew tax. And so... You all would come into church and the pastor would be there or maybe the finance chair like Alice 
And they would, she would give them the few texts, and she would write her name and, and authorize that you get to sit in the front queue today. And this was radical. So what B.T. Roberts said that the pew tax system, one, it segregated men and women in the church. Husbands and wives didn't sit together, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Episcopal Church in St. Francisville. This is one of the towns we serve. And you notice there is a a wood uh, bar in the middle of the pews. And men and women would sit on different sides. They were not allowed together in church. Now, some of these were for whites and blacks, and we had and we had a separation because of segregation. Uh, but this, in particular, at this time period, uh, was for men and women. And B.T. Roberts said, "No, this is wrong. We need to be able to worship as a family. All races, all genders, everything should be together." and the body of Christ. Two, he says it commercialized the church. It made it a business. Now, if you've never been part of a church that is ran like a business, I have. It is not the greatest thing. It commercialized the church for a for-profit business. And two, it discriminated against the poor. Now, we would not want to tell a poor person they could not come to our church. That would be absolutely horrendous, Right? We wouldn't want to tell somebody, uh, whatever language they speak, not to come to our church. We want to welcome all God's children because we are all made in the image of God. Now, because of these radical ideas, he was the fraught. And he went on kind of a circuit, preaching and teaching around the country at Christian camps, making his money, and I am sure his wife was probably really upset. I could just imagine traveling around, broke, trying to figure out how our next meal was coming about. But he did it. And 17 years after his death, the Methodist church presented back his ordination and admitted the wrongdoing. But this, B.T. Roberts, started the Free Methodist Church. God used him in his faithfulness to bring the gospel to a hurting world. And to renew the church back to a biblical truth, which still impacts us today. And one of those things that I've mentioned before is our very offering on Sunday morning. So there wasn't an offering, a free will offering. There was the pew tax. So all churches around the country that now pass the offering plate owe it to B.T. Roberts. In more recent days, I think of my buddies down in South Florida, Mike and Kelly Olive. They are the real deal when it comes to ministry. I love them dearly. Uh, when their kids were about our kids' age, they were dr- uh, traveling around in an RV from ministry to ministry uh, through, the, through preaching and music. Uh, they told me a story once. They drove all the way out to Arizona. They were promised you know, a full-time job, and they get there, and the church was dazed from closing down. And they stuck around for a year, living in that RV, not knowing what was next. So eventually they moved down to South Florida, uh, and about four or five years ago, they opened this coffee shop uh, with almost no money. 
and they opened the shop with the idea of that it would become a church. And that's what it's become. Uh, they eventually partnered with Recovery Church, uh, which is a, uh, a church dedicated to helping people in recovery and addiction. And they rented space out. They had church on Sundays, and that coffee shop ran the rest of the week. Uh, in the last two to three years, they expanded. They were faithful. Uh, none of them took a salary. Uh, now they're at three locations, three churches, a community center to minister to the poor kids through fine arts and music. And again, they are the real deal. They minister and preach the word of Jesus because they love the community in which they serve. Uh, and I'm just excited to continue to see them grow all throughout the region. And at one point, the city of Lane Worth, where I live, uh, was like anti-Christian, really. And they sued the coffee shop for running a, a church inside of it. Uh, and they fought legally. And they won. Uh, and so now they are a for-profit business and a non-profit church that all meet there during the week. And their community center is right down the road in a very bad part of town. And Mike and Kelly uh, decided to buy a house there in this really horrible part of town that I would not feel comfortable in. But they did it so they can be in their community and get to know the people. Uh, ministry, both for clergy and lay people, can be crazy. God can call you to some crazy things if you just listen and keep your ears open. And sometimes you want to fight it because there's no way you want to do it. But uh, eventually God will get you there. He'll swallow you up, maybe with a fish, and spit you out. God is there. If God can use a murderer, a defrocked pastor, and a coffee shop to bring glory to him, what can God do with a faithful congregation like this? What can he do with us in Chiefland, in this small town? What can he do every single day as part of this ministry? See, and right there, I think you can see it on the right side. Right side, there's an old church pew. We don't know what church it came out of, but at the end, I would write my sermon every week in that church pew. Uh, it was my spot. God is faithful to his children when we recognize him as the one true God. He is the one true God. We read in Deuteronomy 7 9. Know now then that the Lord your God is the one true God. He is the faithful God who keeps the covenant and proves loyal to everyone who loves him and keeps his commands even to the thousandth generation. Now, if you're driving through the streets of Gainesville, you have probably seen one of these stickers. Coexist and tolerance. And uh, there, there are a lot of them in West Palm as well. And I certainly agree with the idea of existing together. And even having tolerance for other faith groups. Hear that. I do think that we should work together to make this world full of peace. I mean, I have several buddies who are Jewish rabbis, and I love them dearly. 
we certainly do not want one of these. This was a picture or a painting of the Crusades that were authorized by the Bishop of Rome, who is the Pope, in order to preserve holy sites and simplicity. Now, there's a whole debate, right, from both sides. Did the Christians or the Muslims start this war? Uh, even on Christian scholars argue, they don't really know. They just know that there was a war between Muslims and Christians. And thousands and thousands and thousands of innocent blood was spilled over people that could not tolerate one another. But likewise, just because we coexist and have tolerance does not mean that we all worship the one true God. We read these verses that we worship the one true God, the God of the Bible. Right here. Know now then that the Lord your God is the only true God. You know, a lot of non-Christians ask me that all the time. How do I know? How do I know that I worship the one true God? I worship the God of the Bible. See, Jews and Christians have a unique relationship of these faith groups. And that we have a common parent. And that is the Hebrew Bible. But our difference is that we as Christ followers believe in this new covenant. But likewise, I don't think God's forsaken them. And I honestly think we have a better deal because all we have to do is accept Jesus and we get a free pass. They have a lot more on their plate. I hear around me that the world is saying that to have acceptance of all faiths and that all faiths are equal and that all gods are God. More and more Christians are being taught of universalism and there's even... Didn't show up. There is a logo that's supposed to be there of the Christian Universalist Association. Christians are teaching that if God is really a God of love, how could He condemn anybody? Isn't how how is God love if He condemns people? That these paths include being agnostic, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, or even worshiping the stars and the moon are ways to God. The problem is, what constitutes being a good person this morning? Now, I started at the Baptist Seminary, and they were really uh, strict on us. And there was a class called Practice to Evangelism. And we had to watch this video of how to go out on the street and evangelize on a box. And there was this guy that got up there, and he says, what you know, do you think you're a good person? And they go down the list. Yeah, I think I'm a good person. Well, have you ever stolen anything? Well, what's that make you? A thief. Have you ever told a lie? Well, what's that make you? A liar. Have you ever looked with a, with a woman with lust? What does that make you? An adulterer. And they will go down the list and by their own words confess they were really not a good person. None of us are really good people. It's up to Jesus. To clear our place. It's why confession is so important. We must realize that God is a fair judge of his law. And without him we're nothing. Now this whole idea of universalism uh, really came to me when I was 17 years old. And I went out west for the first time in my life. 
When I went out to that camp in Oregon, I learned much more than my calling for ministry. But there was a group called the Baha'i. Has anybody ever heard of the Baha'is? They're kind of different looking. They wear these orange uh, gowns when they came out there. Uh, and they believe in this idea called progressive uh, revelation. So if we look at this circle, this actually comes off of their website. And what it teaches is that God from the very beginning has revealed to each major prophet and their opinion more and more about himself. So you notice that Jesus is up there. You notice that Abraham is up there. You notice all of these people that we know are up there. So it's essentially all paths lead to God. But, you know, at a 17-year-old, I didn't know much theology then. really didn't. I was starting to learn it and pick it up. But I questioned why were they trying to convert me to their faith if all faiths lead to God? Why? Why can't I just remain a Christian and that be okay? And my other thought was, why is this group utilizing the facilities of our campground? Why are they out there for free using this camp? But you know what? It taught me a lot that summer. It taught me why I believe in God. That there was one true God, and that is the God of the Bible. And that universalism will fail, because as we read in the scripture, we must love God and keep his commandments, as the scripture tells us to. How in the world are we going to do that if we don't even know who God is? The God of the Bible is the God who will be there for your children, holding his covenants and his promises. See, God is faithful to his children even when we mess up. We're going to do it. Now, thank goodness for a help, helping hand. Because I think we'd all be in trouble. See, it tells us in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are disloyal, he stays faithful. Because he can't be anything than what he is. God doesn't change. God will love us and be loyal to us even in our stupidity. True repentance, true repentance is an acknowledgement of our own wrongdoing and a desire to do different. It's a desire to get on our knees and say, God, forgive me. God gets it. When we do stupid things, it's just our nature. But it doesn't change how much God loves you. We read in Luke 5, 31 to 32. There's a lot of scriptures in here this morning. Jesus answered, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I didn't come to call the righteous people, but sinners to change their hearts and their lives. And again then, and, and by the Apostle Paul, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, nor angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers, height or depth, or anything that is created. So God knows we're going to make mistakes. 
God expects us to have repentant hearts, but there is nothing in this world that we can do to leave God's love. Period. But it doesn't tell us to test God. See, Jesus told us in Matthew 4, 7, do not test the Lord your God. So what I'm saying is just because God says, hey, um, I'm going to forgive you no matter what, it doesn't mean we should have a, a sinful life Monday through Saturday. Right? We are called to holiness as Christians. And let me tell you, I've really struggled with this whole idea. You know, bouncing back and forth between theological families and denominations, everyone has a different thought on this whole scripture and this whole idea of holiness. But the point here is, I'm not going to test the Lord. I'm going to do my best because I love God. Not because it's going to save me. But the question this morning is, how do we remain faithful? How do we, in the midst of our personal struggles, our struggles as a church, our struggles as a denomination, our, our, how do we remain faithful to God? And I think it's really simple. It's in this classic verse. Teacher, which command is the, in the law is the greatest? And he said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Brothers and sisters, I used to tell my students as a teacher, don't do dumb stuff. Right? You will pass my class. You will do well if you just... Don't do dumb stuff. And I think if we don't do dumb stuff and we love Jesus with our whole heart, I think it will kind of fall into place. We overcomplicate and over, uh, you know, we take theology and we, we put it up on the wall and we come up with all these great terms and ideas. But at the end of the day, you know, Jesus is not going to quiz me at my deathbed or when I get to heaven on if my systematic theology is right or wrong. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that, you know, I was a Lutheran, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Presbyterian, whatever. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is that I love the Lord my God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I love my neighbor as myself. That's what matters. See, he tells us that he will not leave us or forsake us. He will not leave us or forsake us. It may be a, a, a time and change in our society, but, you know, we have these uh, drop-off locations for children now, you know, where, and we probably have for many years, right, where you could just bring a baby, drop them off somewhere, no questions asked, and the person just expects somebody to take that child. Now, I, I can't judge. I haven't been in that situation where I was at last resort and I felt like that's what I needed to do. But I personally could not imagine taking my baby, leaving it at the footsteps of a church or a fire station, and just expecting a random person to pick that baby up and take care of it. As a society, we, we have teenage kids who are fragile, middle schoolers especially, who need their parents, who need their grandparents, and 
It's like they are raising themselves. They are, their parents have no involvement, and I get it. Kids tell their parents, I hate you, sometimes. But guess what? They still need you. They still need you to, to invest in their life. And sometimes we are that teenage kid. God does not abandon us. God does not leave us on the steps anywhere. God does not let us go off to school by ourselves and be pounded by teachers and fellow classmates without being there right next to us. God is a good father. God is faithful, never leaving us or forsaking us. It makes me think of my home pastor when I was going through life and I would go to him for advice because he was the wisest man I ever knew. And again, he, was, he thought totally different than I do on everything. And I would say, well, this is going to happen. He said, well, has God forsaken you this far? No. Well, why do you think he's going to do it now? That is the key of life. That God is that loving dad. That no matter if we do stupid stuff, no matter, like Amanda, she, she borrowed her dad's car keys and backed the truck into the ditch. <laughs> her dad didn't even yell at her because he expected that she was going to try it. <laughs> Dads, good fathers, don't, they're there for their children. And no matter if we tell God we hate him tomorrow or today, no matter if we have to repent every day on the hour, God is there to be faithful to us as his children. So we have to ask ourselves, are we returning God's faithfulness back to him through our words, our actions, and deeds? Are we loving God and loving people every single day? Are we looking into the world knowing that he created all of us in his image? Are we being good children to God? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Life can be terrifying. Life can be uncertain. And most of the time, whatever happens just happens. We've got to really let go and let God every day. We don't know when we wake up. We might have a plan. I can tell you my calendar every day is usually scheduled max. And sometimes everything gets done and sometimes it doesn't. But God is with us. So what are we going to do at First United Methodist Church of Chiefland to continue to be faithful children of the King? Are we going to love our neighbor? I'd like to believe so. Are we going to love God? I believe so, right? Are we going to live in fear? 
Maybe. Maybe not. Are we going to live in some tension for a little while? Yeah. We just have to accept it. But guess what? We're going to be faithful. Accepting that God uses messed up people like Moses and David and many more that we read this morning. We're going to accept that the God of the Bible is the one true God. It's a non-negotiable for me. God of the Bible is the true God of the universe. And that God keeps his promises to us. And lastly, that God will never leave us or forsake us, even if it means we get close to the gates of hell. God is with us. Because our God is powerful. Our God destroyed the temples. Our God built the earth. You name it, God has done it. And as a congregation, as we continue to walk through somewhat a path of uncertainty, we have to remain faithful. Because I do believe God has a plan. Not the cliche, you know, that the whole cliche in Christianity that God's got a plan. But legitimately, God has a pathway. God will guide our steps. And God will keep us united for Jesus. That's what it's about this morning. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, we are your children. God, help us be faithful servants. Help us be your hands and feet. Help us remain united as a family. Continue to give us unity, perseverance, God, guide our steps as we walk through this time of, of the storm. God, in uh, the Gospels, Jesus is there and he tells the storm to stop. And they, they obeyed. They listened. So God, we ask for your presence to bring calmness and peace. Let us remain focused on spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to this hurting world. Help us be who you desire us to be as your church. God, we love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.